Thank you for listening to the Giving Light Podcast. We are a family church and world outreach center. Our heart is to empower you to walk in true freedom and equip you to impact your world. Please visit our website at givinglight.org to learn more about us and our many resources, including original music by Brave Music, e-courses for leaders, tools for raising powerful kids, and more. If you would like to support Giving Light financially, visit our Give Online page to choose the best giving method for you. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy this message. I was thinking about something as I was preparing this week, and I was thinking about the amount of information that we have available to us. We actually have a gluttony of information. Uh, People actually call it the information age, right? And I think as a negative, I think that's positive, that's great. But I think a negative aspect of it is we have a lot of people that, we have a society filled with I-knowers, right? And information is really a low level of knowledge. Have you ever tried to learn something? Like I watch a lot of tutorials online to figure things out because one of the things that I do here is I, One of my responsibilities is to figure things out. So I watch a lot of YouTube videos. And a lot of times I'll watch a video and be like, yeah, I know this. And then I pull up the program and be like, I really don't know this at all. Let's go back and watch the video again, right? Or I would have to, like when I had my red car, I had to look online. Oh, the battery is in the trunk, not in the place that has been for thousands of years in the front. You know, so we have all this information available to us, but that doesn't mean it's always good information, and it doesn't mean it's always truth. And God showed me this picture of this scientist studying the apple, and he studied the color of it. He actually looked at it under the microscope. He knew, uh, he looked at it at a molecular level. He understood it. And someone asked him, is it good? And he couldn't answer it because he never tasted it. He knew everything about this apple. He knew the variance of it. He knew everything. He knew how to plant it. He knew it. But he didn't know it was good because he never tasted it. And that's why in scriptures it said, scripture it says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Um, I don't know if you know this, but my wife loves vacations. <laughs> and, and part of her preparing for vacation is researching the vacation By the time we get on the vacation, I've seen all the videos ever created on YouTube, (laughs) right? And what is she doing? She was like, I want to know what's there so when I get there, I can fully experience it. And so sometimes we get to the place of like, I'm going to study the beach. But we never feel the sand in our toes. 
We never feel that. How many of you guys know that ocean air? You never experience it. Actually, for me, that's not a positive thing. I'm not a very beachy person. That's a wonderful place for my wife. I was even thinking about uh, the baby that's coming. And I was thinking, you probably read some books on babies. <laughs> Maybe even how to parent those babies. Or there's only, yeah, one baby. Okay, baby. Uh, one, well, Okay. And, uh, and you can know a lot of things, but you won't know until you know. Remember how I said information is a low level of knowledge. And just like that scientist, he knew everything about that apple. He could talk hours on the apple. He saw the, the molecules of the apple, but he didn't know if it was good because he never tasted the apple. And so today, I want to talk about relationship over religion. And the truth is there's a vast difference between knowing about someone and knowing them personally. This kind of fits into the same example the same example that I've been talking about, but I would say many of you have a favorite singer. Okay, don't, okay. Uh, you have a favorite singer, right? You have a favorite actor or speaker, and if it's a singer, you know all the songs, right? You can sing all the songs. You think you know the lyrics, but actually when you read them, you realize you don't know the lyrics at all, right? You're like, I've been singing this the whole time. I never knew that, right? Or if it's a movie, you know the funny lines, you know, uh, my son, there was a time where he was uh, watching Nacho Libre a lot, so, or Napoleon Dynamite, or Ernest, do you guys remember Ernest? And he could um, uh, quote lines in it, and he could uh, impersonate them, right? And so some of us, there's a lot of like help, self-help people out there. So we know all the life hacks and we follow their little post and we can know a lot of information about them and we know their motivational quotes, right? But you may feel a personal connection to what they create, but create, but how many of you say that you know them personally? How many of you can, some of you do. They're like, they know me. I follow them on Instagram. <laughs> They're my friend. Yeah. So we can know someone on an informational level. We can even know someone on a personal or on an emotional level. How many of you have, have ever heard a song and you felt the emotion of the song? So we can even know someone on an emotional level, but not truly know them personal. Know them on a personal level. Now let's go a little deeper on this because we're in church. How many of you know God? Not just know about God. All right? Not just know about God. Not just be able to provide the right answer when called upon. You know, growing up in church, you know, your heart could be far from the Lord, but you can give all the right answers. Not just be able to give the right answer, but actually know him. 
And so there's this delineation between religion and relationship. And so religion says, familiarize yourself with the info, the tenets, and the facts. Know the right answer. Religion also says, stay within the rules of acceptance. Basically, that means look like us and sound like us. Religion says, provide the right answer when called upon. Religion says, put on the appearance of holiness, but if you ever get caught, you will be punished and canceled. Where relationship is different, it's not punishment, it's about restoration. And in religion, grace is highly praised. Grace is so amazing. Thank you for the grace, but grace is never practically extended. Now, I will say this. In a societal sense, religion has, some do- has done good things. In a societal sense. And I, I like, we look at our leaders now and, and we could say, look at what they're doing and have all these issues with it. But you got to understand, in the Roman Empire, if you were not abusing children, if you were not abusing women, if you did not abuse your power, you're like, that was the normal thing. And so Christianity started, it started changing society. A lot of the things that we have now, like we might look at our, our world and say, well, it's very secular, but a lot of the standards that we have were because of the traditions and, and truths of the, of the Judeo-Christian faith. So I'm not, I'm not saying religion totally bad. I'm saying there's a place for it. But I would say that relationship... Is not, a, is not a submission to a system. It's a submission to a person. Okay? So I'm saying that there is a place for it because it's actually good for society. But relationship, that is what we've been called to in our faith. Relationship is as we see him, we become like him. Remember in religion, it says, no, the rules of acceptance look like us and sound like us. But it's very similar because relationship says, as we see him, we actually become like him. But it's through relationship that changes us. In relationship, we hear his voice, and guess what? We recognize it. If someone came up to me and said, your mother said this, I'd be like, no, she didn't say that. I would know because I know her voice. I know what she would say. Not all the time, right? But if it's so out of character, I'd say, no, she didn't say that. Why? Because I know it. And that's what relationship is with Christ. When we familiarize ourselves with his voice and his leading, when something happens or something is said, we can say, whoa, that's not the heart of God. That's not who he is. In relationships, in relationship, his word brings life and freedom, not a yoke of bondage. In relationship, we continue to grow and mature because we are committed to follow his leading. See, that's the difference between relationship because religion says, get to this point and you're good. 
And if you can look and say, well, I'm not that good, but I'm not that bad either. So I feel pretty good where I'm at right now. Like you have these, uh, these lanes of acceptance. But in relationship is we continue to grow. We continue to be mature because we are committed to following his voice. In relationship, love and grace extend beyond my personal experience. See, religion can only create impersonators. Most are bad, but not true sons and daughters of God. Why? Because we hear his voice and a voice of a stranger we will not follow. And so sometimes people think Jesus came, he suffered, he died so that we can know him on an informational level. Know the facts, know the historical, uh, you know, context. And I'm not saying these things are bad or wrong. I'm just saying, do you think Christ came for a little bit more than a relational knowledge of or of of? in informational knowledge of him. I would say he came back to restore us back to relationship, back to connection, back to the source of life. And I'm not saying that knowing information or knowing facts or knowing uh, things within script, they're all good and awesome. But we're called into, we actually have, the opportunity to be in relationship with God. And for some people, that's scary, right? For some people, that's scary because he might make me do something <laughs> that I don't want to do or whatever it is. But as we see him, we become like him. John 14, 23. Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Now listen, you can't get any more personal than your home. You know, when we get out and about, we get out in the wild, in the public, we put on our face, right? Right. Layla's actually starting to do more makeup and stuff like that. And now I'm actually speaking more into into that because the shirts are getting higher. And anyways, I was like, I didn't think I would be at this point, but I found myself at that point right now. She's like, Dad, it's style. I was like, "Okay." so we went to do perfect. I said, show me the style. I want to see the style. We only found two people with that style. So she's got to convince me some more. She's like, why are you talking about this? So it says, we will come and make our home with him. Jesus isn't company that comes over once in a while. Because what religion does is says, oh, it's Sunday. It's time to put on my Sunday best. And Jesus says, oh, I've been with you all week. Jesus comes, sees us at church, and we're like, I didn't know, I didn't recognize you. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like you haven't dusted in years. I, 
my, my mom, that was never an issue, but you haven't dusted it in years and you're like, people are coming over. We got to make it look like this house looks like this all the time. We have candles burning. We never have candles burning, but when people come over, there's candles burning. All right. So we do that sometimes in a religious way. We use like, oh, Jesus is going to be around. So I'm going to tidy up. But Jesus said, no, I'm going to come in and move in. Whoa. So he's saying, where do I put my stuff? (laughs) Right? He's moving in. Where do I put my stuff? What's in the fridge? (laughs) It's funny because, like, I don't do it much anymore, but there was a time where I I would go into my parents' house. You know, I'm in my 30s, and... There's just a need to open the fridge and see what's in the fridge. And dad would be like, and mom's like, oh, it's not a big deal, blah, 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 right? So when Jesus moves in, he's like, what's in the fridge? We actually had a friend come over, one of Layla's friends, and I'm always nervous because I'm like, some kids just tell you too many secrets of their family when they come over. Yeah, my dad lays in his underwear and stuff like, I didn't need to know that, but thank you for the information, (laughs) right? And it's like that. I mean, hey, we lay in our underwear, don't we? All right. So Jesus is moving in, right? Here's a big one. He's moving in. Hey, where's the remote at? The remote is my scepter of power. (laughs) Hey, where's the remote at? But the thing about religion, it says, you have to clean this up on your own strength. But relationship says, we're going to clean this up together. Do you see the difference? Hey, there's things within our heart that aren't pretty sometimes. But when we're in relationship, And when we're in fellowship with our Father, He says, we can do this together. Yeah, it's bad. Yeah. It's kind of like telling the kids, go clean the room. And I go up and I was like, did you dust? Oh, yeah, I dusted. (laughs) Big dust ball. Right? Don't you love being a pastor's kid? Loved it. It was a joy in my life. So you've probably heard it said before that intimacy can be defined as into me you see. And this is a beautiful example of this. Psalms 103.7. He's made known his ways to Moses. Say ways. His acts to the children of Israel. So Israel's connection to God was with what he did for them. Actually, when God showed up, they said, can you go away and just, we'll send Moses to you. They didn't want relationship. They were afraid. So God's relational connection to the people of Israel was with what he had done for them. But Moses He made his ways 
known to Moses. So Israel's connection to God was with what he did for them. But Moses had access to the why of the journey. So this understanding and access is also available to us. And I would even say to a greater degree than what even Moses had. Because we have the spirit of God living on the inside of us. He's come to make his home with us. But sometimes we just like to say, you have your spot over there and we will meet once in a while. And we all do this to certain levels. So Romans 8, 11, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. When we accepted Christ, when we believe in what Christ has done, he says, if you love me, guess what? I'm going to come and I'm going to move in. Move in where? To the guest house? <laughs> no, your house. I'm going to move into your house. And if you don't recognize what you have, you will minimize it. And ultimately, you will not utilize what you possess because you do not recognize what you have. Remember how I said we have a lot of I knowers? If, if you talk to maybe a kid growing up in church and heard all the stories and say, do you know that Jesus lives in you? Yeah, I know that. And? And what? What does that mean? Does it cause transformation? See, knowledge or information is, the, is a low form of knowledge. Yes, you may know that, that Christ lives in you. And what, what's the result of it? What happens? What change happens? You know, when, when Aaron and I first got married, we would visit Loretta's mother. And she had a rule. And the rule was, this is when the kitchen is closed. So if we came over and wanted a snack after the kitchen was closed, guess what? We didn't get a snack. So we would have to find out. And it was kind of rough because that time changed from time to time. So there was no. The reason I said that is when Christ moves in, he brings his own agenda. When Christ moves in, he says, I want to lead you in the way of life. That means some things might have to change. This is more funny than factual, but we're going to need to put some pants on in the house, okay? <laughs> Like I said, more funny than factual, but you guys get the picture. It's funny because I don't do this anymore because I grew up. Uh, but uh, 
Aaron's like, I made sure that the pants go off pretty quickly because Aaron's like, can you run and get this at the store? Babe, the pants are off. And once they're off, they, they, they're very hard to get back on. It's a very difficult thing. But I grew up sometimes. All right. So it's easy to fall into the trap of relating to God in an impersonal way. This far off God who helps in times of need and when I call on him. We have the spirit of God living on the inside of us. He's available 24-7. Now Jesus didn't come to be a far off God. He's come to take residence He's come to be known intimately. Exodus 33:15. Well, actually, you know what? Yeah, let's do that. Why not? Exodus 33:15. And see, a lot of times the church, a lot of the focus of the church is big church is so much emphasis is on fulfilling your call and your purpose and what God has created. And that's awesome and amazing. But his promises mean nothing apart from his presence. Apart from relationship. Exodus 33, 15. Then Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. Where were they at? They were in the desert. Where was God leading them? Into the promised land. What did Moses say? Hey, listen, if you don't go, don't send us. Now, also, Moses knew what type of people this was. <laughs> don't, don't send me, Jesus, without. <laughs> and Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. I rather, Moses was so passionate about staying connected to the presence of God that he was willing to forego the fulfillment of the promised land for the presence of God. I rather stay in the wilderness with your presence than go into the promised land without you. Paul shares this same sentiment, Philippians 3.8. Yes, everything else is worthless. Everything else, like some people just put a period there and say everything is worthless. <laughs> now, what it's saying is everything else is worthless when compared, when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. And when I say this, I'm saying it as we all do this, but sometimes our priorities get out of whack. We miss the point so many times, and God knew that, right? God knew that, read your Bible, God knew that we would miss the mark. <laughs> so thank you for grace and mercy. We have to, remember what I said, 
if we don't realize or if we don't recognize what we have, we will minimize it. And because we minimize it, we will not utilize it. What's inside of you? The spirit that raised Christ from the dead. And remember what I started out with? Some of us know that on an informational level. That's a good place to start. But he came for relationship. He came that when he actually moved in, things changed and rearranged. You know, some people like to rearrange their house often. Are any of you like that? You know, you come in, you're like, didn't know the bed was over there. All right. Layla was doing that all by herself. And she was like, uh, this was a few years ago. We're like, can you not move the bed? Because when you do that, it... anyways. But you got to understand when God moves in, he might say, hey, let's switch it up a little bit. The high mark that we press towards is not the fulfillment of calling, but to know Christ and be completely fulfilled in him. I want to reiterate that. The mark that we press towards is to know Christ and actually find fulfillment in him, not in what we do. And the truth is, you don't have to chase promises when you pursue the giver. Actually, when you pursue the giver, guess what pursues after you? The promises. See how, like, we flip that a little bit? This is what I'm called to do. Actually, you're called to know him and be fulfilled by him and him alone and all that other stuff. Guess what? Matthew says, and it will, well, Jesus in Matthew, and all this will be added unto you. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all the other stuff that you worry about. Yeah, that's going to come too. Knowing Christ is the mark which all other things flow. And the awesome thing about this is you can't fake or perform intimacy with God. Actually, you can actually do it in front of people, but not before God. Because God knows. He knows the intentions of our heart. You can't fake a humble, open, vulnerable, submitted heart before the Lord. Actually, you see this trend throughout scripture. What does he desire? To love the Lord God with all your heart, your mind and strength. Who knows if you're doing that? He does. And the crazy thing about it is we can actually perform a lot of our calling outside of him. Because we actually, we actually see in Matthew, yeah, you casted out devils. You, you prophesied in my name, but I didn't know you. We don't want to talk about that. All right. All right. Jeremiah 2, 13. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water. So what was the first sin? They said, no, thank you to the source of life. <laughs> and then their second one was, and have dug their own cisterns. 
So it's saying, I am the source of life. I am the well that never runs dry. I am the spring of living water. And what did they do? They dug their own cisterns, which hold water, right? Broken cisterns that cannot hold water. So this verse sums up so many of the problems that we put ourselves in. They pursued other avenues of receiving life which could not satisfy. Why? Because those wells could not hold water. Come on. They've forsaken me, the one that does not run dry, the source of their life. And they said, we could do it on our own. We could do it on our own strength. But guess what? They dug the wells but the, well, the wells or the cisterns, they couldn't hold water. So even though they put stuff in, it just went out. Loretta had a problem with her pool, right? She had a leak in her pool. So she would add water and it would run out. But we figured that out, didn't we? Nope, we didn't. Okay, so let's pray for the pool right now. But this is what the Israelites were doing. They're saying maybe this is the thing that will bring fulfillment. Nope, that's broken. It cannot hold water. And it ran dry. Well, maybe this will be the thing that will bring satisfaction. Nope. And I'm not saying it doesn't for a time. But what does it say? They couldn't hold water. And guess what? Like with Loretta's pool, it wasn't a big hole just pouring out. We would have, well, there's the hole. But it was one that couldn't be seen. And we said, Layla, go around and touch the walls to find the, the hole in the liner. So, and she did, yep. So my point is, it's not like we're like, well, this doesn't hold water. Look at all this. But you get come out the next day and we're like, well, we were at, now we're here. And we've all done this. God is calling us back. Say, in me, I am the mark of the high calling that in me all will be fulfilled. Like I said, you don't have to chase after promises when you're chasing after the giver of those promises because those promises will chase after you. And if you're thinking, well, I'll do that so that then that will happen, God knows our heart, yeah. <laughs> right? Later in Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And you can see that repeated throughout Scripture. Colossians 2, 6 through 7. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. I want you to get this. It's kind of like when that baby comes. Once that baby's born, you got to continue to parent it. <laughs> Just like you surrendered your life to Christ, guess what? It's not a once and done thing. You continue to follow him. 
Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. You have to understand what God is providing for us through salvation. A lot of times it's portrayed as a ticket to heaven. But it's an opportunity to do life with him forever. Heaven is doing life with Christ forever. Salvation. Salvation is not just eternal life floating on a cloud. But eternal life with him. Eternal life of fellowship and relationship and union with him. It's, it's good to know information about our faith and truths about our faith. But what change occurs? Because like in society today, I know it. Because Google is the fountain of truth. <laughs> if you didn't know, that was sarcastic. This is why we're commanded to continue to, what does it say? Let's go back to that verse. It says, and now just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. You must continue to follow him. And that is why we're commanded to, remember what I said, it's not just eternal life just off in a cloud somewhere. It's eternal life in fellowship with him. So because we have accepted Christ and entered a relationship with him and he's actually moved his stuff into our house. Now we're on a road of knowing him for all of eternity. And that is the mark. That is the goal. Thank you, Father. Do you see this scrolling here? Say, that's good for you. <laughs> because preachers always have something to say. Eternal. eternal. Yeah, uh, eternal life does not mean eternal sermon from. <laughs> <laughs> Let's end with this. John 15, 15. I no longer call you slaves because a master does not confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father has told me. So I want you to notice something. A master doesn't need to reveal the heart behind his command. Why? Do it because I told you to. And Jesus is clearly saying this is not how he sees that relationship. He says, I call you my friend, meaning my heart is available to you. Understanding is available to you. Transparency is available to you. So it's not just gaining in information. It's actually knowing the heart of God through relationship. He does not call us slaves. He calls us his friends. According to Jesus, slavery is not the context of our relationship, 
But just like the Israelites coming out of Egypt, we can feel more comfortable as a slave than a friend. Just tell me what to do. Point me in the direction. And in a sense, that's not wrong. But he's saying the context of our relationship is a friend. To know each other and to, like I said, with intimacy, into me you see. It's not just the commands of God. It's understanding his heart, understanding his ways. Like Moses, he he revealed the ways of God to Moses and the acts to the children of Israel. Thank you, Father. John 15, 16. I did not choose, I did not choose me. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Why is that? Because we know his heart. And we ask from that understanding. We ask from knowing his heart. Thank you, Father. So what does a friendship with God look like? I would say it's a little different than what you might think. Exodus 33.11 So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friends, to his friend. So what does that mean? It's an open, it's a very real, honest communication with God. You can see that with Moses, right? He's like, hey, can we send someone else? No, no, we're not doing that. Well, I can't speak. Okay, Aaron, we got Aaron. We're going to do Aaron and then you. Okay, right? I'm kind of making light of it, but that's kind of this real conversation that Moses was having. So one of the examples of is friendship is developed through intentional open communication. Meaning, because he is our friend, we have access to communicate with God. The next thing is friendship is established through agreement. Deborah, we're friends because we're in agreement. (laughs) That's how it works with God. James 2.23 And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness that he was called the friend of God. So Abraham came into agreement with God. When God spoke something, Abraham had faith for it. So how do we deepen our relationship with God? We hear his voice and obey it. Friendship with God does not diminish his authority. John 15, 14 through 15. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Like I said, this relationship's a little different than what we view as friendship. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all things I have heard from my father I have made known to you. So friendship is an open invitation to the heart of God. Being a friend of God does not mean a peer. It means I have access to his heart. It means I have access to understanding. It means I have access to the whys of his command. So Jesus marks out his relational boundaries, John 15 or 14, 15, I'm sorry. If you love me, keep my commandments. So this is the relational boundaries Connect in heart and submit to his authority. 
We are to connect in heart and submit to his authority. And I would say when you know his heart, it's easy to submit to his authority. Um, there's a comedian that I like to listen to, and I'm probably not going to say it as funny as he does because he's a comedian and he's a professional at it. But he has a story about going into this store and, and he found these two jackets that he really liked. And so he takes them up to the counter and the ladies, the, the person at the counter is like, she looked very confused why he would want these two jackets. And um, she's like, are you sure you want both of these? And he's like, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure I like both of these. These are great. But what he didn't realize was it was a reversible jacket. <laughs> so if you buy one, you got the other. Unless you're like, I won't, you know, whatever. And that's what I think of with this verse. John 14, 15. If you love me, if you connect to me in heart, keep my commandments. A lot of times the church wants to separate those two, but it's actually the same jacket, right? It's the same jacket. The word keep means to attend to carefully, to, ca to care of. It means to guard. If you love me, guard my commandments. Where are we guarding? Our heart. So do you see how his commandments are intertwined with the heart. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments because his commandments are written on our heart and we're commanded to guard our heart above all else because out of it flows the issues of life. It's the same jacket, people. <laughs> Loving him and keeping his commandments are formed in the same place. I'll say that again. Loving him and keeping his commandments are formed in the same place. If I'm struggling with what he's leading me to do, I need to seek understanding from his heart. What he said, I don't call you slaves. I call you friends. Why? Because I share with you. I share with you my heart. I share with you understanding. And a lot of times, many of us want to wear the jacket a certain way. But it's one jacket. It's the same. You can't have one without the other, right? So what is Jesus communicating? If you're going to connect with me on a heart level, you need to understand that keeping my word is an expression of love. And this is something I've said many times, but God's commands are not to control us. They are invitations for an encounter. God's commands are not to control us. They're invitations for an encounter. They're invitations to life. Jesus says, I have come to give life and life more abundantly. Guess what? His commands lead us into life. I told you I have to have John 10, 10 in there somewhere. It wasn't even in my notes. Can you believe it? So his commands release the life and freedom that he's promised. It's not about control. It's about freedom. 
You can also, so that's one side of the jacket. The other side of the jacket is you can also, you also have to understand that Jesus was talking to a people that were used to keeping rules, regulations, and commandments. It was a normal part of their life to say, my life is ordered by the commands of God. And this is why I believe Jesus made it clear that you have to love him, not just keep his commandments. Don't just keep my commandments because you're obligated to. Because you know it's the right answer. Keep them because you love me. Do you see how they're the same jacket? <laughs> that to the ones that, is, that find it easier just to obey the rules, hey, you got to do this through love, right? And for ones that are like, eh, let's bend the rules a little. Hey, listen, keeping my commandments actually release life and freedom and liberty to you. If you love me, you will keep my commands. Don't just keep them because you believe you're religiously required to. Keep them because you love me. Like I said, Jesus did not come just so that we can have an informational knowledge of him. Just like that scientist knew everything about that apple, could tell you. He could, he could talk for hours on the apple, but he couldn't tell you if it was good because he never tasted it. And that is what Christ is offering us fellowship and relationship with him for eternity. So what are the relational boundary lines? Don't just keep my word while your heart is far from me. Don't just say you love me and not keep my word. Both of these truths are intertwined coming from heart connection. And the fruit of our life that lasts in eternity can only be rooted in the soil of relationship with Jesus, abiding in his love. Lord, we just thank you for today, God. Lord, we thank you. Like, this should be exciting. We thank you that you did not just come just so that we can know you on an informational level. You've came to restore relationship. You have come to restore union and fellowship. When you have promised that you have come to give life and life more abundantly, that only comes through relationship. So God, if our heart has been heavy, like we sang today, all the worries of the world, God, we lay them at your feet. God, we put our eyes back on you. You called us into relationship with you that is to bring life and freedom and liberty. Well, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.